Hello and welcome to the Escape Room. I'm Stevie. I'm Zach. And we are siblings who love movies and love to sit and talk about movies. Life is crazy, so come escape with us. So, before we escape today, what was your highlight of the week? I am so excited because there's a book series that I love. The cover art and the official summary was released this week, and I am really, really excited about it. Oh, okay. That's pretty shallow. That, and that's not shallow, it's just very vague. Well, I just... It's a light in my life that I don't want anybody else to dim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I love that for you. I think that's great. <laughs> like, you know you have good. that thing where you just don't want anybody else's opinion about it. You just want to love it and be left alone. Yeah, that's that- what... That's what this I is for me. Agree. Doesn't How mean about... you're any less sus, but <laughs> I promise it's not anything sketchy. But How about you? My highlight of the week is I just started playing the Lone Wolf gamebook series from the beginning. I don't I so I did not know about this shit when I was a kid. Apparently these were in America, but they were like way, way bigger in like the UK and Australia. But um, like solo game books, I just got into like over the last couple of years, the last year and a half, I think. It's like playing an RPG by yourself. Uh, sort of the easiest thing in the US to equate it to is choose your own adventure, but it has more rules and a combat system and it's more role play focused. But one of the biggest, biggest series ever of game books is Lone Wolf, which has been running for 40 years, and it is not even done yet. It's not complete. Oh. So I started, I believe the last three books in the series um, are coming out after the author passed away. His son and somebody else are helping him finish it, according to all the lore and stuff. But this is a fantasy series that you are the hero of, that you play the hero and, like, there are things people are still finding in these books. Nobody has found for, like, decades. Like, you can find one item in one book that was in a weird choice that nobody's made that can affect the entire story moving forward. So That's it's awesome. very, very interesting. So I started Flight from the Dark. It's the first in the Lone Wolf series. So, with that being said, where are we escaping to today, Zach? The film is Sahara. Talking about Sahara, it's adapted from a, a book series from Clive Kessler. Brief background, these books are firmly, firmly in the vein of men's adventure paperback. Right. They have a lot of very outdated tropes. We don't have to right. talk about it. Right. But With- Kive Clustler, Kive, add some Kive to your baked potatoes. It makes it <laughs> taste better. What were we going to say? I'm sorry. In 2023 eyes... Looking back on this, there's some problems with it. Not the movie, not the movie, nearly the, as much. Not the movie, nearly as much. There but, are some issues I have with this movie okay. a little bit, but if you want a fun ride, this movie is yeah. really fun. I like it a lot. Um, so Clive Cussler Sorry. is largely regarded as the master of adventure fiction, which who decides to put those labels on things? Like, gross old dudes, probably. And, like, it's just a bunch of old guys that are like, yeah, this is awesome. This guy was 
born in like 1941 and he served in Vietnam and he knows what he what he's talking about and he speaks oh, to me. Geez. It's relatable to a very very specific segment of the population. But I'm deep in this genre. Yeah. I do not agree with a lot of the things. There are way many there are tons and tons of authors that do not do this that can still work with these building blocks right. um, and play in this sandbox that don't do those things. There's tons, there's tons right now, which I'm, I'm super excited about. That's going to definitely be a bright spot, um, a highlight later down the line in this podcast of like, there's like tons of lady authors working in this genre now. Yes. The, and they're terrific. Fantastic. And there's, there's people that are like, updating the sort of tropes and things. But this one is from 1992. This is written by a man who's definitely a, like, early boomer. So it has that baggage. But we're not talking about the book as we're much We're talking today. about this awesome movie. We're talking about this awesome movie. Which is nostalgic for me because mm-hmm. this is definitely something that you and I watched together that we're super excited about to see. And we saw it in the movie theater. And... I literally can quote this movie almost word for word. Well, we saw this in the theater because this used to be one of my favorite books. Right. After after the recent reread that I had and the recent re-listening like this week, I would not consider this one of my favorite books. Um this is this discussion is not going to be a discussion of the adaptation between book yeah, versus Yeah, we don't want to get into that. There there are some things that they did change for the better and for the worse, I think that might I might just touch on. I'm not going to like exposit right. on them or whatever. Hey, let's have a summary. Okay. There is a legend of a treasure that claims all who seek it. Scouring the ocean depths for treasure-laden shipwrecks is business as usual for a thrill-seeking underwater adventurer, Matthew McConaughey, and his wise-cracking buddy, Steve Zahn. But when these two cross paths with a beautiful doctor, Academy Award winner Penelope Cruz, they find themselves on the ultimate treasure hunt. Soon, the three are in for the ride of their lives as they cross the blistering North African terrain, pitting their skills against ruthless enemies bent on world destruction. In a race against time, this trio of unlikely heroes must unravel the clues, solve the mystery, and save the world in... A Delirious Escape into Adventure Serial Heaven. Mm. We just point out that the back of the box is not actually what happens in the film. You think? There's well, not a trail of clues? There is... There is a trail world- of- destruction there is world destruction there is a trail of clues but they make it sound way different then that's true i think they were trying to bank on indie if so, we're going to be honest here's the thing about these books these books and the way this guy writes there's a lot of intertwining things right and one of the things we have to mention is that in these books the first usually that first like prologue or that first chapter is explaining an event that happened in history and then you jump back to present day after that crisis and so this movie does a really good job of mirroring that so we start in the civil war times and we see this carriage swirling through the countryside trying to go to this ship and we see people loading things on this ship and I was really excited when I saw this at first because you don't really see a lot of those iron-sided right. ships in that, movies. That was the first thing I, I noticed. I go like, we don't see ironclads like that. Mm-hmm. Like that. And somebody, you know, if you're not a student of history, you might be like, is that a real thing? Like, yeah, absolutely. And now tell me why we should give a fuck about these people after I tell you what the ship is. This is the Confederate battleship Texas. 
Confederate ship. I think CSH, Texas. I don't know the designation for a Confederate ship. But these are Confederates at the very tail end of the Civil War. Like you said, a carriage rides up and they offload all these crates onto this Confederate battleship. And we're supposed to care about the people inside, even though they're freaking Confederate soldiers. And it's like, uh, yikes. Gold is gold, baby. Gold is gold. But we don't know it's gold yet. Oh, actually, they do, because they they hand the guy one Confederate gold dollar. And because he's the captain of the vessel, it's a, it's an interesting scene. It's well shot. It, it's got a lot of atmosphere and stuff. They get the the gold aboard the vessel, and this is one of the largest differences between the book and the movie, which makes the book sound really really silly. In the book, they the whole idea of this ship is that the reason they're fleeing the end of the Civil War is that they have kidnapped Abe Lincoln and they get him on this ship. So the idea is that the Lincoln that died in Ford's theater, who was shot by John Wilkes Booth, is a body double. And the U.S. government conspired to kill a body double because the Confederates kidnapped Lincoln at the end of the war. This doesn't happen in the movie. No. Which is a lot better because that's a really silly idea. Right. It's so Um, stupid. It's really dumb. But they... They um, leave the riverbank, and they're headed down river. Into the cloud of nothingness. Into the cloud of nothingness. And they start being fired upon by um, Union gun emplacements. And there's this really nice tense scene of them sailing off into uh, the the gun smoke and everything. They have to run silent. But, like, at the same time... Again, just sink these dirtbags, but... For real. Whatever. Anyway. They could have made it a Union vessel. Just change it a little bit, but whatever. So then we get into the opening credits, and this is one thing I love about this movie, because the books and the story is about these two men who have grown up together, right? So they have all these adventures, and they have a very close-knit team that they work together with, and they've traveled the world with, and the whole opening credits, it shows that these people have history it shows the dynamic of their relationship you see funny pictures of them doing funny things their heads attached to other things you get you get the humor you get the vibe you get that they have history you get that they have previous adventures also the pictures in this opening credit sequence as per the director commentary were actual pictures of McConaughey and Steve Zahn and William H. Macy and Rain Wilson in the past. So they had like younger pictures of them that they could Photoshop together. Dirk and Al, who are our main two main characters, Dirk Pitt played by Matthew McConaughey, Al Giardino played by Steve Zahn, um, (laughs) who is golden in this movie. Fucking Steve Zahn is on fire. And I would like to say, this is probably the one movie that you and I quote the most. Yeah, dude. Because our love language is just sending each other movie gifts and memes and quotes and this is probably the one we quote the most often so the the, we we established through this video and they they edited all these pictures together in photoshop so it looks like they did these people did grow up together and specifically alan dirk grew up together they went he says later in the film 
somebody asks, how long have you guys been like friends? And he goes, oh, you know, uh, kindergarten, college, Navy, NUMA. So like their entire careers, they're the bestest of friends. And that's the big thing that shines off the screen as part of any, if you read any of these Clive Cussler books, the idea that Dirk and Al are the bestest of friends ever is kind of the draw, even past the interesting history and definitely past some of the grody political ideals. Two buddies out on the open sea. And just because they're buddies, and they don't have a ton of military training. Yes, they were both in the Navy, but at the same time, you know, they might have, they have firearms training. They have, you know, probably whatever training the Navy had. They've been together for a long time. They're engineers. They're like marine salvage experts. They're marine conservationists. Even though they don't really get into that in the movie, there's a lot of marine wildlife conservation. There's a lot of... You uh, see the artifacts that mm-hmm. they've brought up. It's a re- I think it's a really great way to show where we're at. Like, you know, I, I like those movies where you already know where you're at. You don't have to do voiceover narration. Like, hi, I'm Dirk Pitt, and this is my friend, Al. I hate that. You're just like... Sub in Charlie Hoonam from Pacific Rim, just like we started in kindergarten and then we went to college and then we went to the Navy and we're buddies and we sail around in a ship with our weird old admiral friend. And, and Rudy. Tech, and Rudy, who who is Rudy's great. Rain Wilson's great. Like, let's talk about this movie is made in 2005. Okay, Um, and as per the director commentary, again, they said they wanted to make sure that the soundtrack was kind of like indicative of like two dudes shitting around. But like, here's my question. Okay, this leads into this question. This film was made in 2005. All the two dudes shitting around music is 70s music. Okay, if we're going to be really lenient and kind of make Dirk Pitt and Al Giardino 35 years old in 2005 that mm-hmm. would mean that their two dudes shitting around music would not be like we're an american band <laughs> we'd have like i don't know what what's mid-80s stuff like van halen they'd be like r- driving down the niger river listening to the cure that would be funny as hell <laughs> that, these that two would be just funny. like jack dudes who fire guns just i've been living so long with these pictures of you and I ran. There you go, Let's so go. far away. It'd probably be Van Halen if we're gonna be honest. Oh, yeah, that's but true. like, yeah, it just <laughs> it just seemed odd to me that like the dude 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 music was very seventies based. Okay, and I remember this movie getting a lot of pushback because of that soundtrack. I remember people saying this is stupid that they've got this classic rock soundtrack over people going over the sand and whatever to me even though it is the wrong decade it definitely tells the story of this is some good old boys shitting around the desert you know what i mean like it's gross i don't want to love this movie okay but i don't want good old boys shitting around the desert i don't want that (laughs) i want aspirational here like i want scientists and engineers Uh, yes doing action and I'm... fucking cool shit. Love this. Right, so the opening credits are done, yeah. and then we pan into right. WHO, World Health Organization vehicle, driving alongside a river mm-hmm. in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And we are introduced to Dr. Ava Rojas, and I 
Frank. Yes. Ava Rojas is played by Penelope Cruz. Frank, who I can't Frank, I can't remember his last name, but he's played by the great Glenn Turman, Colonel Taylor from yes. uh, A Different World. Yes. Shout out to A Different World. Shout out to Dwayne Wade. Yes. And his flip-up sunglasses. That was the best show. And Whitley Gilbert. I love um, Whitley. But who doesn't fucking love Whitley Gilbert? She was great. So we meet these doctors, mm-hmm. and we discover that they are on the trail of a new disease. There's a couple people that have come down with some illnesses that they can't explain, and we meet the victim of this illness, and um, we find out that he came from a lighthouse, and so our... Dr. Ava, mm-hmm. she goes on her own to check the lighthouse because she thinks that these diseases are connected and they're coming from Molly because all of these people that are infected um, are coming from Molly. Mm-hmm, the thing that they have in common. Yes. Frank says they're not going to let us go look into Molly for six cases of a disease. Right. And she has a great line where she's like, how right. many how diseases many? is it going to yeah. take? 60? Yeah. 6,000? And he's like, you're right. But yeah. we can't impinge on somebody's jurisdiction. And so Dr. She- Ava, to me, if we're talking about story and character, mm-hmm. I feel like Dr. Ava Rojas is the heart and like the grounding of the emotion of this movie. When the bad stuff goes down, oh, yeah. she's the one that's emotionally affected yeah. by it in like a very real way. Like to me, she's the the grounding, the heart, she's the thing that keeps this crazy movie semi-grounded. Semi-grounded. And a good uh, that's a very good thing to mention. Um when you think about Dirk Pitt and Al Giardino, there's a certain amount of detachment that they have to put into things and they use during crisis situations. This is a thing that happens in the books and they use it in the movie. During crisis situations, their detachment from having a really stressful situation that the shit is hitting the fan and this is a this is a bad deal. People are dying. Their detachment is to use gallows humor to deal with that. So if everybody in the movie is acting like that, it doesn't give you a sense of this is high stakes. But Dr. Ava Rojas really does. And it's, she's, Penelope Cruz does a great job. Penelope Cruz is just the best. I think she's wonderful. She goes to a lighthouse. And she's attacked by these two guys. Who's that in that dinghy over there? Who's that in that dinghy? This really golden colored man. This, oh, that's something we have to talk about. How orange this movie is. It's funny that you mentioned that. Because that orangeness is because they developed a specific gel for the camera to shoot through. Called the Sahara Gold Filter. It's specifically made for this movie. And it's called because it makes every fucking thing in this movie golden color. Mission accomplished. And it is kind of annoying after a while. It's like it washes every other color out. It doesn't make things pop. And we're in the desert for 99% of this movie. Mm-hmm. So we're just looking at a big gold screen the entire time. I really like this movie. I love this but movie. But it's not visually interesting. It's not. Remember we talked about The Pacific characters Rim? in this movie make it interesting. Yeah. The dynamic... And the chemistry between all the characters make this movie interesting. There's no cool production design. There's not anything, any neat camera tricks. Interesting adaptation note. They changed the disease from the book into the movie. In the movie, they change it from being, quite honestly, a really gross thing to just being sick people. 
she can't determine if it's a virus, she can't determine it's, if it's a bacterial problem, which, granted, this lady is a doctor, though, so she should know that this is a toxic effect instead well, of, although she only has six, it's a very small sample size, six right, people. Right, and but, again. she's trying to gather data, and it seems like she's like, this seems like these six people have similar mm-hmm. similar symptoms, symptoms that came from the same place like she's she's gathering data yes. and in the book which incidentally she comes to a very <laughs> solid conclusion very quickly later in the movie but it's, a movie. it's because she's gathering data in the book the disease is infinitely more scary and oh my gosh it's freaking way terrifying. scary and there's like straight-up scenes of horror, like horrific, awful things that happen in the book that they kind of sketch out of the movie because of some of the implications that are there. But um, And it just actually makes it a lot less heavy. Right. Well, and I was going to say, there are certain things that you need to do to, again, ground this movie and, like, make it, this is a real, this could be real. You know what I mean? Right. Because there's so much crazy sensational things happening around, you need to have that gravity. Make it easy to understand. And you've got to be able to suspend your disbelief. There's other things that we need to suspend their disbelief for that are engineering and structural and um, mechanical things later in the film, which I think is kind of interesting. It's a different... There isn't any element of mysticism or magic in this movie whatsoever. It's all engineering and man versus technology type stuff. Man versus nature, really. Yes. Man so, versus man, man versus nature. Ava is attacked. Yep. By dudes. We don't know who these dudes are. We don't nope. hear anything else about them. And then she's saved by a golden stranger. <laughs> <laughs> and just just as she's about to pass out, she's saved by Matthew McConaughey playing Dirk Pitt. Are you okay? Dirk. I would never name a character Dirk. I feel like anybody named Dirk is like sipping on craft beers, and telling really cool stories. Oh, yeah. I feel like a guy named Dirk is fun at a party. Do you think Dirk wears a beanie? Mm. Dirk's a beanie guy. Do you think Dirk's a beanie guy? Dirk sounds like puka shells, beanie, Mm. fucking... Or Dirk is the dude in the woven wool hoodie that always has weed that you never know where this dude from goddamn Westlake gets all this weed. He's got a (laughs) bandana for some reason. And always has some really weird stories and knows everybody. I feel like a guy named Dirk knows everybody. And all of the people that he knows own a boat. Or (laughs) As Ava passes out, she sees the golden, jacked, cut, fucking, probably dehydrated for several days image of Matthew McConaughey asking if she's all right. Are you all right? And his gross-ass southern accent. And she passes out. And then she wakes up. Yes, 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 yes. She wakes, she wakes up, up on the boat, on the the ship. The ship, which we don't learn the name of that vessel. Yeah, it's a Numa ship. Numa ship. Numa is a. And we learn about Numa. You learn about Numa in the context. Of the the context of the beginning of the show, and then you are introduced to our merry band of weirdos of adventurers. Another adaptation note. I really, really enjoyed the way they changed the characters from being the most capable, the most badass, the fucking coolest dudes that's ever been on the, yes. sh- the deck of a vessel. And every last one of them can handle himself in a fight. Every last one of them's fucking cool. 
And they are a band of weirdos who love being on ships. They love the maritime lifestyle. They enjoy marine archaeology and salvage. They've changed. Like, Dirk Pitt is still kind of the coolest dude ever. But at the same time, not everybody is a slick dialogue guy. These guys are just living their best life on the open sea. We are introduced we, to the great Steve Zahn, who is crack, terrific. Crack kills brother. Crack crack kills brother. <laughs> and he's he's just being owl, like, and he comes up and they have this great exchange, and it's so funny. He's oil. We need more. He's like screaming at the top oil. of his lungs. And he's like, oh, I need a wrench. Give me give me the wrench. He's just like yelling, and it's it's wonderful. It's great. And um, he's like the quirky mechanic mm-hmm. character in every movie. Like you're. Yep. Your group? What is that? Grease monkey? Is that a gross no. thing to say? An ensemble? Ensemble. Yeah. Anyways. But he's very capable of all this stuff. Yeah. And then the coolest fucking guy that's ever been born on the face of the planet <laughs> oh gets pulled out of the ocean. To what song are they playing? Some seventies. Is that American band? I think American band. And it's just like uh, this. Oh is yeah, weird. he's like he's like standing on top of this artifact. It's like a sarcophagus for some ancient Nigerian king. They pull him out of the ocean, and this motherfucker is standing on top of an archaeological artifact that is like been in the ocean for a hundred, like however long. And it's like riding it. He just looks out of the sea. He just looks like the raddest, coolest guy ever. Forget what I said about everybody being weirdos. Dirk Pitt isn't a weirdo. Is the, you think that's in Matthew McConaughey's contract where he's like, I just have to be the coolest guy ever? Like Vin Diesel, he can't ever lose a fight? Yeah. I don't doesn't, know. Doesn't work for me, dude. We meet Dirk. We meet Al. We meet Rudy. Rudy Gunn, played by Rain, Rain Wilson. Wilson. He is our nerdy tech guy. Al Giardino is the the cool mechanic. Like, he's an engineering genius. Right. Like, he knows structural right. points of, like... A building, how to blow it up by just looking at it. And he'd like look at a computer screen like, what is this craziness? Yeah. Rudy, and then we meet the Admiral, Admiral, Admiral James Sandecker, played by William H. Macy, the great William H. Macy we all love. And those are ban- Mary Band of Misfits. Miraculously. Oh, this is so Because he's like, oh, we got to get that cleaned up because we got to be, we have an appointment in two hours. So they clean they clean this artifact. So they clean this artifact all up, and the next scene you see is this shining, glimmering, golden sarcophagus or whatever it is. How in does archaeology work? I don't know anything about archaeology, but I'm pretty sure it's not. It works that way in India, I guess. You know, like he just gets to shoot people, and he never has any repercussions. He steals artifacts wholesale from like entire countries like that belongs in a museum no that belongs to bolivia brother but like anyway between between the museum and the the soppy muddy stuff we pull out of the ocean we get this scene of al and dirk getting ready and then we're inter- we're introduced to this concept that dirk has been searching for his what is the term the 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 one thing like his it's his white whale basically he yes, doesn't have an obsession whale. with it it's yes. his grail he's obsessed whatever. with this ironclad ship that Which was lost because the theory is is that 
it's in Africa. Like, he thinks that it crossed the ocean. So we're introduced to this which is high, which is highly improbable because of the way that ship is designed. Right. Right. Uh, going across the ocean would probably be really, really yeah. difficult. And we find out he's going to see a guy who has Confederate coin. So while everybody else is at this party with this miraculously clean sarcophagus, he is bartering with a local merchant to get this coin. Mm-hmm. So we have Ava who wants to get to Molly and Dirk who wants to get to the Ironclad. Then we're introduced to... So we're introduced to Eve Massard, French philanthropist, environmentalist, which is bullshit we find out later. But whatever. He, of course, sees Dr. Ava, and he's like, oh, yeah, because I'm French, I have to be, like, enamored by all women or whatever dumb stereotype. She has somehow found a gorgeous dress with a fantastic statement necklace. Oh, she looks great. She looks great. gorgeous. So she, because Eve Massard does a lot of work in Mali, she's trying to see if she can get inroads for General Kazim, who is the um, military leader who's who's in power in Mali. She's trying to get Eve Massard to let uh, General Kazim let her into the country, which we find out later. General Kazim does not want them in the country, and Eve Massard is the bad guy as well. Yes. Here's my okay. Here's a question to you. Do you think that Matthew McConaughey was the best choice for Dirk Pitt? Maybe in that time? I don't know. I, okay, so I'm trying to think about it because I think he was, at the time, one of the only actors that could be quick and funny, but also, like, suave. Like, I'm trying to think who else has that quippy... But also heroic. I, I don't know. I don't know. Matthew McConaughey isn't super convincing for me as Dirk Pitt. I don't see him as like a maritime archaeology enthusiast, maritime salvage, ocean conservation type of guy. And like he just seems like... And they constantly mention that him and Steve Zahn were always trying to portray Dirk Pitt and Al Giardino as if they were like still fucked up from the night before. Like four or five times during this movie like no you just wanted to come to set high right brother (laughs) so they agree that dirk pitt finds the coin from his nigerian antiquity smuggler friend he convinces admiral sandecker who is retired he's not currently an admiral in the u.s navy he convinces him to let him use his boat and his boat's named the Calliope, which is a very three beautiful days. Name. I'll give you three days. And they go; they're <laughs> supposed to go up the Niger River to investigate if he can see if he can find any more clues in Mali. And Doctor Ava and Frank they hitch a ride on the boat. At this point, we get some of the first Ugh. gross interactions between Dirk Pitt and Ava Rojas. He's kind of a grody dude for real. And in my 2023 goggles watching this movie, I'm like, this guy is kind of a jerk. Yeah, I don't know why they're like having a romantic thing. Yeah. Because he's kind of, not horrible, but he's kind of gross. Rude, a little sassy with her. Yeah. Because she's trying to hitch a ride. Like he's like, like trying to hitch a ride, doctor. He goes, small boat. Not a lot of privacy. And he, like, looks at her all gross. And yeah, it's like, it's, we didn't need that. Ooh. And he's like, what's wrong, Doc? Is the WHO making budgetary cutbacks? No, they asked for your fucking help. Actually, they didn't ask no. Dirk and Al. The Admiral told them to hop right. on because he probably right. didn't trust those assholes right. with his boat. But 
and I don't know what you're what you have going on, but I personally love the montage. The 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 river, the yes. Niger River stuff. Yeah. I thought that was possibly some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Yeah. They could have done this movie a little bit differently and made it a road movie mm-hmm. on the river. They just go visit different towns along the Niger River in Nigeria and Mali, mm-hmm. and like it would just be really interesting. So they're traveling up the river, they're going to these towns. There's another really weird, like I'm the coolest dude ever dialogue by McConaughey. Oh yeah. There's some fun Rudy Al interaction that happens. I again, I personally liked the soundtrack because I liked so I liked the mix of the African inspired music mm-hmm. with the old like the the classic rock. Like yeah, the I classic that was rock. Interesting. Because Again, I'm thinking deep into this. That's kind of what's happening. You've got these good old American boys on this hugely expensive yacht just bahan their way through Africa. And it's kind of like, okay, this is what's happening. You know what I mean? It's sure. I can it's see telling that. the story through music, I guess. We cut to and I was gonna talk about the pacing in this movie. Mm-hmm. I never felt like we dragged it. No, all. not at all. There was some really good pacing where like we went we started in media res in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. We went straight to Ava being attacked. We got straight introduced to our guys. We got straight introduced to our quest. Two quests, right? Ava has a quest, Dirk has a quest. Yes. Bam, we're off to the races. And then we only have a couple little tiny pauses for exposition. One is really cool where you get a nice moment of introspection with Dirk and Ava where they have dinner on the boat. Everybody's Mm -hmm. on the boat talking. Like He explains to her why he's obsessed with the Confederate ironclad Texas. She's like, it's kind of silly that you'd think there's a boat going all the way up the Niger River. There's some great one-liners in the boat scenes, too. One of my favorites of all time is the, you ever been after Marlin's doctor? 543 pounds. Six hours in the fighting chair. What did you catch that day? I don't remember anything. At all. At all. It's just the best. And there's just great stuff. Oh, yeah, poor guy's always been in my shadow. And we got to talk about why Steve Zahn has the most... Why? This is, like, the hardest uh, Midwesterner accent. We're, like, talking, like, Milwaukee. It really comes out in the... Not as hard as, like, Uber, but, like, Milwaukee sort of Chicago sort of Midwest accent. He's like, hey, you know, guy's always been in my shadow. Oh, he's right. the owl's maid, never the owl. Never the owl. Am I right? <laughs> it was just, like, so funny. So funny. Incongruous. And the cast is, like, shining through this whole yeah. movie. I feel like the performances are just wonderful. Everyone is having a blast. Oh, yeah. Like, and if they aren't, you got me fooled. You're doing great acting because they all seem like they're just having the time of their lives. And in Rain Wilson's book, he talks about filming this movie. Oh, really? And how fun it was. In the director commentary, they say every time that you see the, an actor at the helm of that vessel, they're actually driving that boat. And we get a cut to Eve Massard yes. meeting up with General Kazim. General Kazim wants them all dead. 
He's like, there are two dudes coming in my country. I do not want them in my country. I don't want the WHO doctors in my country. You need to get these people out of here. And Eve Massard is trying to be like really nice about it, but mm-hmm. he knows this is a man in power. This is a man at the peak of his strength. This is a scary warlord, and you just need to say, yes, sir, shut the fuck up, yeah. and let him do what he's going to do. Can I just say, mm-hmm. I loved him. I thought his silent but deadly presence the way he was just you could tell this guy was dangerous without him acting dangerous oh yeah there and he didn't he didn't do anything over the top mm-hmm. he he was very very much a matter of fact mm-hmm. present danger mm-hmm. he wasn't mugging to the camera mm-hmm. he wasn't mm-hmm. doing a lot of i am villain type mm-hmm. stuff he was like very understated i i really mm-hmm. i like that point yeah he's always been like you knew this was a guy that you did not want to fuck around with. Right. And he, like, but he did, but he's just like, I don't know. It's just really good. There were a couple villain things like he specifically collects firearms um, and he has specific bullets, you know, right. whatever, which there's a really fun scene later. But um, they have this conversation and he says, I want the doctor stopped. I want the dude's stopped well they don't think dirk and them are a threat right now no, they just uh-uh. think the doctors are a threat yeah they just want um, the doctors gone so they stop in lama zangamali and they split up the doctors are going to go across land to a village i cannot remember the name of and dirk and al are going to just continue up the niger river are we going to talk about the line where he's like you and me in the Bay of Monterey. <laughs> That's not a good line. You and me in the Bay of Monterey. Get this guy out of here. Yeah. Like, you're gross, dude. You pro- he probably just smells like fucking bowl scrapings all the time. You know? Like, that dude stays high, so he's probably just fucking... Hey, you want to do ma- maritime archaeology like would- when you're high as fuck? <laughs> So dudes continue up the river. The angel wing clam. <laughs> Petricola filatiformis. The angel wing clam. Glows in the dark. Modern science cannot explain why. Uh, I like Bioluminescence. Yeah, dude. Like, what the fuck? What? That's a dumb line. She, and she's like trying to humor him. You're like, oh, oh yeah? You don't know about bioluminescence? <laughs> oh, they glow in the dark, huh? Oh, that's fascinating. Glow in the dark, huh? Oh, yeah. Please sure, explain sir. to me. Please, sir, please explain to me, a lowly woman doctor. Uh, angel wings, huh? It'd be nice if the world was a little more like that. Like, get your folksy crap out of here. So they just split up. Uh, Dirk Pitt stops to talk to a man named Mr. Indigwe. Mr. Indigwe, unfortunately, he he, he was the one who found he found the coin, but he has passed away. Dirk Pitt is dejected. He thinks his quest has come to an end, and... Al has a great line where he's like, yeah, yeah, my dad collects coins. You know, Siam, Egypt, Persia. Coins travel, Dirk. Sometimes they just end up in a, in a shoebox under a bed. And you're like, ah, oh, that's a valid point. But then Dirk then Pitt we, hears the call, the call to, to prayer, prayer. And he goes to a mosque to speak to an imam, I believe. Can we talk about this mosque? Because it is very, the CG is, it's rough. Oh, is it? Yeah. I did. I really didn't notice. It's I think it's a little rough, like, and maybe, maybe it's just the orange filter, but I just feel like that's not a real building. He visits the imam at the mosque, and he asks about 
a great storm that might have driven a ship up the river. If a weird-looking ship had ever stopped at Labazango, because in that time, Labazango was one of the greatest ports in all of Africa. The imam does come up with something and said, the ship brought a plague with it. He's like, it's a dead ship, a cursed ship, a ship of death. And you're like, let's fucking go! Death so excited. ship. And um, so he goes back to bring the news to um, Al and Rudy, who <laughs> Rudy's like, oh, we're going, we're still going up the river. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going up the Niger. And he goes, oh, I was hoping to meet a girl on the Australia trip. And <laughs> like, Al no. says, oh, no, no, buddy. African war zone. Ship, Ship of death. death. <laughs> it's just like we're we're playing it up, but like it is kind of funny right. that this man, the very ethnically Italian last name, has like the thickest Midwest accent. So they continue but up. But it's great. And we pick on it with oh, love because I like, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. It's a great adventure film. Yeah. Um It really is. So they're headed up river. They get confronted by the Malian military. Right. They have not only like trucks with machine guns in them but they also have boats and they meet them while they are doing a study mm-hmm. on the riverbed and they discover red algae which is yet another plot point that is yep. intertwining into our story um because weird thing i just thought what's that this is a movie about the niger river Sure. And uh, we can this, we can cut this out. This is so stupid. Maybe I don't even want to say it out loud. Oh, now you have to. All of the plot points are like tributaries <laughs> into the river, <laughs> and then they flow out. I wish that people listening could see the face you just gave me. This is like, yes, you know yes. what I mean? You have all these little rivers that flow into the big ones and then some flow this way and some flow this way and then they flow back into the river this whole absolutely is a metaphor for a river run me like a river stand in the river what are you singing run me like a river oh no okay (laughs) Maybe we will cut that part. <laughs> so, okay, so they are running passive, not passive, they're running like side scan sonar buoy out the back of the Calliope, which this is a civilian vessel. Where are you keeping this sonar buoy? And it's a huge ass sonar buoy, but they're trying to get pings of the, of uh, the Texas on the bottom of the river. They're water adventurers. Don't ask what water adventurers do. How do archaeology work? It doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't matter. They so, got this. They find the red Technological algae. Technological ass buoy. <laughs> they find the red algae. They collect the algae red in algae, a vial. Red algae in a fresh freshwater body of water. Rudy puts it in his pocket. Is strange because red algae should only be in salt water. And that's why they think it's strange. And immediately after discovering the red algae in the river, they get attacked by the, the Malian military. Hiya. I'm Al. Hi, how are ya? He says it like six times. Every time he's beating somebody in the head with a rifle butt. Hi, how are ya? Whack. Hi, how are ya? Whack. Oh, and then we get into this ridiculous boat chase. Oh, it's great. It's so great. It's a, it is a wonderful. It's the best. Like, this is a wonderful piece mm-hmm. of stunt work. 
We're doing mm -hmm. a lot of really cool stuff. How hard this must have been to shoot on a river, on actual boats. They ran over like a $100,000 camera or something mm -hmm. like that oh, yes. with the truck. I they remember busted that. It. Yeah, production he, got mad at them. It's in the movie. Oh, yeah, you, it's on screen. Yeah. You see it. It's a wonderful action scene. It's really fun. It's probably, it's it's the mid-movie sort of bigger mm -hmm. action scene we're building up to, and we're only like 40 minutes into the movie. It, it's just, and again... This is why these action movies are fun, because you got a guy jumping from one boat to the other boat. Like, both boats are going full steam, like, full speed. This guy's climbing mm -hmm. up on this boat. Somehow he's, like, able to fight this guy off the boat. It's just ridiculous. And, so, and and I was like, I'm gonna come in. And oh, again, like great. you can't see my arm motion. He's like, I'm gonna come in. You jump on the boat. It's that <laughs> it's so fun. Because you got like the banter and the things happening. Yeah. And Rudy shot a guy with a flare gun. Yeah, they're they're getting attacked by these there's trucks on the banks of the river with machine oh, guns. And we didn't even talk about how when the army's coming, Admiral Sandecker's <laughs> on the phone. He's like, Hey you guys it's been three days. Where's my boat? So while all this is happening, and this is the fun part, you could tell these guys know each other. They have a really good relationship. He's like, what is happening to my boat? Admiral Sandvicker on the phone hearing what's going on. I don't know. I always think this part is funny. You can tell me whether you think this is funny. Whenever the chase is over and Dirk is on the, the bow of the boat, and it's just silent, and they're just watching him like, struggle that was very it's, funny it is so hilarious okay, to so, me so they the they they get attacked by the trucks with machine guns they have no weapons because again they're americans yeah. on a river in africa you're not it's you're not allowed to have weapons on a vessel in international waters at least you probably shouldn't have it when you're a foreign national in a in another country just toting around guns but they're getting attacked yeah, by the full, full on malian military al hands rudy a flare gun he's like what are you supposed to do with it he's like shoot him he shoots the flare gun and the first one pops off he doesn't hit it yeah. this is another example why it's very fun that they're a group of misfits and weirdos right. because rudy has never shot a gun he doesn't know what he's doing he shoots a gun and he shoots the flare into the truck and the truck drives off a cliff and crashes in the river and when they're on the phone with Admiral Sandecker in the middle of this fight, he's like, what's going on with my boat, Dirk? He's like, oh, your boat's fine, Admiral. And, and he hands the phone to Rudy, and Rudy goes, I shot a guy with a flare gun. And he's like, you shot a guy? With, it's, it's, the inner, it's very good stuff. It's humorous. It's real. It's like, I don't know. I really like it. So they, they're driving away from the first fight and they drive right into two more Malian river boats mm -hmm. and so they're in trouble and they're like where are the doctors where are the doctors and so the last resort they have to pull what they call a Panama mm -hmm. which is Al gives Rudy cigar well Al sends Rudy to find something flammable Rudy finds cigars that are the admirals they light the cigars cut the fuel line on the calliope and stuff the cigar with fuel line and the fuel tank mm -hmm. so when the leak reaches it it's going to blow the boat up and they drive straight between the two boats they jump off just in time for the explosion to take out the two Malian riverboats, which is really cool. Interesting point I will bring up. More than once in this movie, and I don't know if this is like a dig at Indiana Jones, more than once in this movie, 
Al Giardino loses a hat that he really, really likes. Uh, he has this hat, and he goes, he didn't make a point of it. Oh, no, I lost my hat. And then, like, they had this big action scene, and they're all, like, treading water in the river, and they stop. And he's like, oh, they're going to go after the doctors. we got to go help them. Dirk Pitt paddles out of the out of frame. Rudy and Al are still in frame, and he goes, oh, I'm glad we survived that. I lost my hat. And the response from off screen is, Oh really? I'm sorry. And you're like, that's so funny. That like he actually like he cares about his hat. This man lost his hat. It's funny. And I don't know if that that might be a thing. Like he loses two hats in the movie, and like Indy never loses his hat because there's a lot of comparisons to Indy that people make with these this movie at least. See, I know I didn't connect the dots with that. I just thought it was funny. So now that they know where the doctors are headed, Dirk Pitt. And Al Giardino are going to go across the desert to go to the village the doctors are at to try to help them or make sure that the Malian military, the Malian military, Malian. doesn't get them. Right. And they send Rudy back across the border mm-hmm. into Niger to go back to Lagos <laughs> Poor and Rudy. meet the admiral. And Rudy's in the truck with the goats. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And like again, Rain Wilson is wonderful in this. So movie. good. I love Rain Wilson. Everybody's doing the best they fucking can, and it's great. This movie, like, the, the cast makes this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. If it weren't these people doing these things, I don't think I would like this movie as much. Yeah. If the cast was different, it would yeah. definitely be a different... Because Some of the Steve Zahn is just great, and, oh, like, yeah. I don't think I would be as... And, again, if I didn't already know the story, I'd be like, what the heck is this? We now have three plots going on. Yes, yeah, Steve's yeah. on lights up the entire screen oh, yeah, every time sure. he's on it. I just love that at the end of all of this, Admiral Sandecker is like, they did a Panama. Like, here I am. But in the book, the Calliope is decked out. It is a fantastic yacht boat. It's basically a James Bond game. Yeah. It has missiles and machine guns. Yeah. But that makes no sense. Right. I it, really enjoyed that part of this adaptation and i read this somewhere i cannot remember the name of the writer there's a certain thing a formula for adventure fiction where if you take a normal person and put them in an extraordinary circumstance that's the formula for adventure right if you had these guys on a boat with all these cool hidden rockets and machine guns nobody knew what it was then they get attacked by the malian military and then they fight back with rockets and missiles first of all that's an international incident (laughs) second it doesn't make them as relatable or human so like i really really enjoyed that yeah you're right they had to improvise in that because if that was the case then they would be like Mission Impossible. It would be like a totally different tone of the movie. Because there would be a spy element to it. Right. And and again, that is the way they finished that set piece in the book. They did blow up the vessel with what they called a Panama. So we find our heroes on camels uh, while the doctors are in this village doing these testing. Unfortunately, everyone in the village is dead. Yes. And... They're trying to gather data about this disease. And General Kazim finds out that they are still alive. Great scene, by the way. Oh, so good. She goes down the well to get a water sample. And while she's in the well, the WHO expedition gets attacked Mm -hmm. by the Malian military. Mm -hmm. They kill everybody except for Frank. 
Ava is in the well. It's really bright outside. It's middle of the daylight in the desert. It's reasonable to assume that they would not be able to see her with the disparity right. of the light from the bottom of the well to whatever. And, dark orange instead of regular yeah. orange. <laughs> and, and so General Kazim has a very interesting monologue with Frank. Look at this gun. This, is, this was owned by uh, a general in the British military, something, something, something. The bullets are custom made by Holland and Holland of London. They each cost 27 pounds per bullet. And Frank has a great line. I wish I could remember his name because Colin Frank is oh, kind of lame. I love him. Oh, he's like, great. It's it, so everything good. I've ever seen that man in, he's fucking terrific. Commanding presence. Yeah, it's a commanding presence. He has a lot. He has a very solid energy. So he's he like grounds the scene mm-hmm. a lot. And he's like, yeah, twenty seven dollars a bullet. Maybe you should give it to your people. Or feed somebody. General Kazim's like, don't tell me how to run my country. You did. And then he shoots him. And there's a great scene of tension where, like, the guys at the bottom of the well are um, pulling up the rope that Ava used to climb down the well. And she, like, has to untie it before it gets to him. Before they notice there's tension on the line. And then they point their AKs down the well to shoot. And that's when Dirk and Al... Come around the bend, all dressed up. In Army crawling gear. on this on the roof, and they see that what's going on, and they're like, "Oh, she's got to be in the well." There's another wonderful action sequence mm-hmm. where two because the the helicopter with Kazim leaves leaves because they think everybody's dead. A wonderful scene where two unarmed men defeat an entire cadre of armed military types. Yeah, and so like there's this whole thing, big fight, and they. They get Ava out of the well, and she ends up killing some one of the guys to save Dirk Pitt. She's really affected by it. Again, like you said, right. she's the only person that seems affected by what the craziness is right. going on. And that's This is what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Is as they're driving away in the Jeep from all of this really intense violence that just happened, she is the one that's affected by it. You have to have that one person... Or at least something in the scene absorbing the emotional yeah. impact of that. And they're going deeper into Molly because they're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, we have... It's one of those things where the enemy is behind us. The only way to go is further in. Right. So they're driving and then we meet our... Freedom fighters? Yes. Led by Modibo. You know, he cares about his people. He wants to make sure they're safe, but there are people that are sick. They get captured by the freedom fighters in the desert. They get taken to the city that Modibo is in. The only way they kind of get to stay alive is by Dr. Rojas saying that we're here looking for a sickness. Modibo says, is this the sickness? And he takes them. It's a great scene. He's a amazing leader who is looking out for the best interest of his people Mm -hmm. and the people he cares about. And he's like, well, here we have a bunch of sick people. Can you help? And so she tries. And um, there's a whole thing where like Al gets to play soccer with the kids in the streets and they have a sort of a chill out time. Ava discovers that it's not a disease at all. It's an effect of a toxin in the water supply. So they figure out the water. That the water supply is flowing, that's flowing out of Molly, is bringing highly toxic chemicals and other toxins into the water supply. And Dirk Pitt just happens to find a cave drawing mm, in the basement. Ow. 
Al finds it because he's chasing the ball from playing with the kids, which mm-hmm. everything in this movie is pretty well set up and paid off. There's right. nothing that's like, oh, this is dumb. Right. Um, and again, it is cranking along. Like, yeah. there is not really a lot of downtime. Mm-hmm. And even the downtime is building characters. Right. This is a very, very solidly constructed movie. They find a, a cave drawing in the basement of the one building mm-hmm. um, in the city that is a painting of the Texas. Mm-hmm. So they fi- they figure out that the toxin is coming from underground rivers. So wherever the toxin is coming from has to be underground itself. That one of the rivers that the Texas steamed up to get deeper into Mali from the Niger dried up. So it must still be out there somewhere. Dirk Pitt tries to convince Modibo to help them, and he he's like, no, I can't. I can't afford to, you know, put my people in danger and whatever. And that's when they see the big fancy car. Yes. Which it's a, he it's borrowed a, it from Kazee. It's a Dirk Pitt thing that there's always a really fancy car in these movies and books. It's a 1931 Avant Vaisseau. And there's only six made in the whole world or whatever. Apparently it was General Kazim's and Modibo and them stole it from Kazim. So Modibo's, I'm not going to get into this mess with you. Like, please help my people. Now that we know what the problem is, this is our lives. We'll just go where there's cleaner water. And he's trying to explain, like, it's not going to be cleaner. But he gives them camels and they're like, well, you're welcome to, we give you safe passage. Like, do what you want. But cut to Rudy and Admiral Sandecker oh, go. Remember, we forgot. <laughs> remember, Admiral Sandecker comes into the office or the room and he just smells this horrible smell. And that Rudy is just hanging out on the, like, passed out on the couch, like, exhausted from his travels. Mm. He's like, what? the heck and he forgets about the vial on his pocket so when he lifts his jacket then it falls on the ground yeah falls on the ground and then they do the testing and they check it out they get this data that they immediately take to the u.s consulate and talk to either whoever's the functionary of the ambassador the ambassador himself i'm not sure who that guy was but they say that once this these toxins reach the ocean it's going to be really bad for everybody and it's going to like spread across the entire world if they don't find the source and stop the source of these toxins that's affecting the algae and the algae is going to get bad and take the disease wherever which that's kind of a pop hole because the toxins make the algae bad or whatever i don't know but again i'm not a marine biologist i don't know the u.s consulate refuses to help they give them like the snow job they're like oh yeah i'll pass it up the ladder and they're like these guys aren't going to help us so good yeah he walks away without bringing the folder with him and they're like this is which is kind of a funny scene you know but because you got the stuffy bureaucrat okay yeah thanks guys see you later on my next meeting um can i just say yes al and dirt on these camels are hilarious it's pretty good stuff Bob, <laughs> don't marry that harpy. Bob, don't take that job. <laughs> you, just, you know, you meet that guy you went to high school with, and he's stuck in the same town. He's got a couple of kids that hate him. And he's married to a wife, and I'm not doing the accent. Married to a wife that uh, hates him. Is you know, he's like sometimes you know, he's like Bob, don't take that jab. Bob, don't marry that harpy. Like, and Dirk says, 
know, what's your point? He's like, maybe at some point we should just reevaluate our decision-making paradigm. And that's when they find an empty old French Foreign Legion fort. They just check out for a little bit. And then they're in the tower. And they see the train. So they follow the train track, which I don't know why you wouldn't see a giant blazing, gleaming thing in the middle of the desert, but whatever. To they see what's a bunch of solar reflectors. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what it is. But it's directly in line with where this underground river would be. So they decide to hop the train. So let's bury our bodies yeah. in sand and hope the camels don't walk away. Right. <laughs> and this train is going by and the guy just sees these three camels just hanging out. They get up from the sand and they somehow jump on these camels and these camels somehow cooperate. Right. To go from just sitting, hanging out to a straight sprint. Right. And they get on this train. It's just ridiculous. They end up boarding the train without being seen. Right. And they get to what is a solar toxic waste disposal facility. Disposal in air quotes. And who runs that solar toxic waste disposal facility? One, Eve Massard. Eve Massard has been burying toxic waste because they can't meet the demand of burning that much toxic waste. So apparently it's supposed to be clean because they're using all this reflected sunlight to reflect down and just burn the toxic waste away, mm -hmm. on which I don't understand how that's clean, but whatever. It sounds like it would just be in the atmosphere at that. They're burying the excess underground mm -hmm. and Dirk and Al and Ava are running through the facility trying to see whatever and here they have some of Modibo's people mm -hmm. hidden away in like a cave handling all this toxic waste which is horrible and there's another hi how are ya they shut off the lights because an armed guard is coming down the hallway and uh, they shut the lights off and the guy's like oh what happened he goes over turn the lights on pan back to Al's right behind him. He's like, hi, how are you? And he so just bad. beats a guy I'm in the head with the rifle button. It's so funny. I would just like to say and admit that I realize how corny and bad that is. That's funny. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I love it. So they get captured. Yes. By Eve Massard's big henchman, which I will say I did not think that they built the big henchman enough. I feel like, like the guy, he was in the, in the very beginning of the movie. He's one of the guys mm -hmm. that attacked Ava and Dirk Pitt shot a fishing spear through his hand. So mm -hmm. there's, there's some heat there. Like he wants to beat Dirk Pitt up for shooting him with a spear or whatever, but they really didn't build that henchman up very well. So Eve Massard, because he is a really bad stereotype of a French guy, has to kidnap the beautiful woman and try to convince her to join him or whatever. It's very Bondish. And it's like, uh, Like, James yeah. Bondish, does he? Like, he's like this guy in the suit in this glass oh, yeah. tower. Oh, and that's what I was going to mention. This is the only real part of the movie that had visually striking bits to it. The tunnels underneath, mm -hmm. the way they were framed, the... The idea of, like, we have a square frame mm -hmm. with a round focal point of this round tunnel. The pipes of the tunnels. Like, that looked really cool. And then Eve Massard's the tower. Ew. <laughs> I've got seepage in my tunnel. <laughs> Sorry, sir. You can't drop any more waste here. Your tunnel is seeping. 
Sometimes when I eat too many greasy I th- foods, I have my tunnel seeps. I think there's a cream for that. <laughs> oh, I can't have fried chicken four times today. I don't want my tunnel to seep. Wisconsin cheese curds? No thank you. My tunnel's been seeping all day. It's disgusting. Hey, you guys want to go get some fried pickles? No, dude. No, dude. I can't. I can't risk the tunnel to be start seeping. <laughs> but, um... But Eve Massard kidnaps Ava Rojas because she's a lady and he is French. And he puts, because apparently, because Americans only know French people are horny and that's a thing. Whatever. (laughs) Anyways, he puts our heroes in a truck. He puts them in a truck. And he's like, let the warlord handle handle this guy, Mm -hmm. these guys. And he sends them to General Kazim. But Dirk Pitt still has the Confederate coin in his yes. pocket. So he uses the Confederate coin to unscrew the bed liner of the truck, which I've never seen a truck have a screw-in bed liner right? like that. And they kick the bed liner out of the truck without these it's dudes noticing. Ridiculous. One bit. It's great. It's and then great. They slide, it's great. And then they're just stuck in the middle of the desert. And we cut to more great Dirk Pitt and Al Giardino's just being dudes. They're walking through the desert and they're singing like weird songs and they're yes. trying to keep each other distracted. And then they stumble upon a wrecked biplane. At which time we <laughs> then, they get this idea and Dirk Pitt's like, I got a plan. And Al's like, what? And he looks over, he's like, oh. And he knows exactly what he's talking about because they're such good friends. They build like a land sale yacht. Mm-hmm. out of this plane's fuselage and the plane's wing. So they harness the wind to slide across the desert. They didn't show the process of them building that when they're clearly highly dehydrated and having sunstroke. And then being like, they had the blisters on their feet and like, yeah. <clears throat> having severe exposure problems. Yes. It's kind of ridiculous and silly. But this brings up a point that I wanted to make. Okay. Okay. This book that this movie was based on was written in 1992. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite things ever is MacGyver. Like, I love Richard Dean Anderson. I love MacGyver. Yes. I would MacGyver. be interested in charting the improvisational skills of Dirk Pitt in the books to when MacGyver was actually on television. Because in the first two Dirk Pitt books, um, Raise the Titanic and the Mediterranean Caper, he doesn't do a bunch of improv building cool stuff out of nothing. I would be very interested to know if maybe Clive Cussler didn't see MacGyver on TV and say, yeah, my guy can do that. And MacGyver was such a big success and people loved it so much that maybe he did just see like, oh, that's really cool. I can have my guy do that too. Maybe. I mean, ideas foster more ideas. So they're wind sailing across the desert. To 70s rock music. I think it's Magic Carpet Ride. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, oh, I don't know. The soundtrack is the worst. And then it's like, okay, but that's fun and cool. Because they're like rock and roll white guys. We can't be held back by this pesky desert. Which is kind of a cool image of them like rolling across the desert, being propelled by nothing but the wind and an old airplane fuselage. And it's unique. I like to see things in movies that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we've never seen before. So... They get back to the... They, they're just going across the desert and you don't see them. And then they go to go see Modibo because mm-hmm. they found his people hidden in the thing. Right. 
they have Malian army uniforms and the fancy car. Mm-hmm. So they drive right up to the front gate of Yves Massard's solar plant. Oh, yeah, because everyone starts to shit their pants because they, they think, think General Kazim is, is coming. coming. And it's Modibo. And Al is in the back. He's like, hey, how are you again? It's so stupid. It's great. <laughs> and so they get in. Modibo and the Freedom Fighters get their people out of there. And what they do discover is that there's nobody around. Eve Massard has fled the scene with the beautiful doctor. So they're like, what would you do if you were about to be exposed as the greatest polluter in the modern times? There's a lot of toxic waste in that cave. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they're planning on blowing up the facility. Al says, well, what's the big deal? Let them blow it up. He's like, no, then it'll be sealed underground and we're right on top of underground river. It'll just seep into the water supply even more. Right, because he didn't realize that he was putting toxins in the water. Right. And he like, tries oh, to con- Yeah, he tries to convince General he, Eve Massard, tries to convince General Kasim to let him shut the plant down and clean it up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Yeah, you can shut the plant down, but you still have to pay me your rent. And he's like terrified of General Kazim because he's right. so scary. And he just gonna blow the shit up and fly away this is the point when al giardino says i have analyzed this entire building by just looking (laughs) at it to know where to place bombs perfectly he goes or you just put the bomb centrally located in the in the sun chamber it would blow the whole place up once the reflectors beam the sunlight into the chamber because i thought that was a really fun character moment of just like giving him that agency like yeah dirk pitt's been the coolest fucking guy ever you know and al's kind of in his shadow a little bit all the always the owls made never the (laughs) al there's even a line later he's oh no no i'll stop the bomb you You get the girl but he says it sarcastically like oh no 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 i'll stop the bomb you save the girl yeah. Dirk Pitt goes up to the top to go save Ava. He has big fight with Hench Guy. As they're having this fight, the solar reflectors start moving because Eve Massard says, kill Dirk Pitt, kill that guy, and we'll come back and get you in the helicopter. As Dirk Pitt and Henchmen are fighting, the solar reflectors start to turn. So it's starting to beam all this sunlight into the thing. And they're having this huge fight, and he uses it to his advantage to pretend that he fell to his death. And then he climbs up, fights the guy until he knocks the big henchman off and he falls all the way down the tower into the solar reflector, which I thought was a cool henchman now. Right. But at the same time, Al is desperately trying to find where the bomb is in these barrels. So he's cutting the barrels open with, with his knife, which the tops of those barrels are probably way too thick to cut with a knife, but whatever. And Also, he, radioactive material. That's yeah, a problem. Al finds the bomb. And the bomb is just several bundles of explosive right? that he can just grab real quick and stuff in a double bag. They hightail it out of there. The bomb doesn't go off. Um, and even Massar is like, holy shit, just get us out of here. You know, General Kazim is coming. Mm-hmm. And we missed a little scene where Admiral Sandecker has no way to help Dirk and Al. Oh, yeah. After they, do this, after they do this, the wind surfing. Admiral Sandecker has a friend that was in the CIA, played by Delroy Lindo, which... So good. Delroy Lindo was also great in that role. Like Delroy Lindo comes back and shows Admiral Sandecker and Rudy satellite pictures because he 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 can't do anything to help them because they're in Mali and that would cause an international incident. He shows them like General Kazim has a tank battalion on the way. They are coming across the desert to even Massard's place because they know where you are, Mm -hmm. and which implies guilt in the whole situation because he knows that the toxins are going into the water. 
And so Admiral Sandecker's like, oh shit, I can't help them anyway. So that's how we know that General Kazim is on the way with his helicopter, gunship, and his tanks. Which is a cool way of telling that story. Mm-hmm. Rather than showing Kazim, well, he does show, There's a he does show Kazim gathering up the troops. It's a cool way of explaining what's going on and like this is why we know what's happening. It adds a nice ticking clock to it as well. Dirk, Al, and Ava are in the big fancy car because Modibo doesn't care about Mm-mm. the fancy no. car. They just need it. He got his people thing. out. He got his people out. They're going somewhere safe. Here come the tanks. Here comes the helicopter as they're driving across the desert. And the helicopter's pursuing them. And the tanks are firing at them. So Al, uh, Dirk has like drives across this bank and he's like, we got to escape from this helicopter somehow. And here's a really gross line. Oh, I hate this. I know you're this. about to say. Oh, I hope you don't. Throw like a girl. Gross. The fuck does that mean? Like, that was not even necessary. It's dumb. But it's just a weird thing to say. Why would you say in that yeah. situation? Because he's the coolest fucking guy that's ever walked the face of the planet. And he has and Puka Shoma. swarmy shit. And he's like, eh, fuck you. Just throw the bombs. So they throw the bombs. And as he's driving the car through the desert, they throw the bomb. Bam, bam, bam. And they get... The helicopter goes away because they can't see through the explosion and all the dust being kicked up. So they fly away for a minute. The best part is you don't, you just see a shot of them looking. Mm -hmm. They just turn around and they're looking and the dust is settling and you're not even seeing what they're seeing, but the reaction of what they see is, holy crap, what did they just see? And they find the ironclad. Our final action scene is split into two major parts. One is the helicopter chase, and the second is holding out in the CSS Texas. Mm -hmm. They end up finding the Texas buried in the sand dunes because the river dried up. The first part is them escaping from the helicopter through the French Foreign Legion Fort. The French Foreign Legion Fort is important because, in the book... The French Foreign Legion Fort is a depot for fuel, and they literally cobble together a homemade catapult to throw barrels of gas at the helicopter. They find the Texas later. In the movie, they board the Texas. Dirk Pitt has another crazy idea to where the gunpowder should be fine. Let's shoot the cannons of this 157, what, 170-year-old shit. Ridiculous. They open the gun ports, run out a cannon, and they're having this whole thing where, like, they have a bit of dialogue where he goes, oh, uh, these walls are three feet thick. It's like plate steel. There's no way they uh, could like get through it. pounding on it. Like, these will hold us. And False. then instantly, all these holes go through because the helicopter gunship starts firing on them. And the line they use to explain is like, oh, they must be using armor-piercing rounds. Or it's a 170-year-old ship. Like, you should have thought of that. But still. And then the big deal is Al and Dirk have all this interaction between them trying to light the fuses on these cannons. There's some great lines. Like, I can't even replicate the lines. Like, mm-hmm. it's it, the interplay is funny. Like, yeah, is it kind of dumb that these people would be making jokes when they're being shot at by a gunship helicopter? Sure. Right. The yeah. banter. But it's fun is... as hell. Yes. So they fire on the um, on the tanks. The tanks are coming across the desert. 
Finally, General Kazim is coming, and they're like, we have no other choice. We're just going to fucking shoot a cannonball at the helicopter. They shoot a cannonball at the helicopter, and it doesn't go off, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. And it's like an explosive round. Right. So, like, it lands, and General Kazim's like, oh, shit, and it's inside his helicopter, and he looks down, and he's like, these jackasses, and then it blows up. So it blows up General Kazim, and because just like with every great Hollywood production, once the leader is killed, everybody has drone syndrome and just goes home. Well, and that's their plan, right? They think they tell Ava, "Oh yeah, cut the cut the head off the snake, body dies." They're just being macho because they don't think that that's actually what's going to happen, but they convince Ava that she's like, "Oh, I guess you." Killed the snake. And it's because Medibo brings his people and oh, yeah, they're like that surround that's why they really put their uh, guns down. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so they do blow up General Kazim, mm-hmm. right? And then Modibo comes with mm-hmm. all the armed insur- uh, sure. with the with the freedom fighters. So the tank guys drive away. Mm-hmm. The day is saved. They find oh so one of the tank shells goes off inside the Texas right and when the tank shell goes off all this gold goes yep. flying everywhere it like sticks in the woodwork and mm-hmm. the thing it's kind of a cool shot they didn't know anything about all this gold right so when they find finally when everything is wrapping up Admiral Sandecker is asking them about the ship and whatever and you see a shot of Modibo and the rebels loading the gold into their trucks Mm -hmm. and like it says confederate states of america on it and Mm -hmm. it goes to the freedom fighters which i thought was a cool was a cool well because he's doing his debrief and they're like well where's all this american gold and he's never found it just a myth Ugh, and i hate i kind of hate this alien ending oh when delroy lindo says oh what if you guys did an occasional job for the good guys and Admiral Sandecker says, as long as we get to choose who the good guys are. Like, well, they're n- basically maritime, like, mercenaries for the U.S. government now? Well, not, but, yeah, that's... Oh, you're talking about in Monterey? Yeah. Ugh. You mean the Bay of Monterey? You mean the Bay of Monterey? And, like, he's, like, tackling her in the ocean, and they're, like, wrestling on the sand. And she's wearing this very weird hat. She looks cute, but... The hat. What's wrong with that hat? I don't know. It's like a weird swimming cap. I don't know. It's a weird choice. She. I mean, she looks gorgeous and adorable. It's just a unique choice. Can we talk about why movies always make everybody have like romantic interactions in on the beach in the sand? As if I have the no that idea. Write these bro. films have never been to the fucking beach and got sand in their bee crack. <laughs> I. Now you know, and you are on the same page with me here. I don't want to do any such thing on the beach. It's dirty. It's smelly. It's not. It's not fun. It's hot. The, the sun beach is, is not. on that sand. The, the sand is hot. The sun is out. There are human beings on the beach. <laughs> Who knows what is defecating in that sand? I mean, do there's. You, do you know how coral reproduces? <laughs> It just ejects plumes of sex cells into the ocean. And that's floating out there. Whales are I'm pooping thinking, all the time. I, I'm thinking of like, like feral cats. Just like, look at this gigantic litter box. Oh, shit, yeah. That'll do it. Seagulls. 
Yeah, Even no. Dead. No. That's going to be a no for me. I'm not having the sags on a beach. Oh, but oh then the final, final scene. Final, final scene. Is the best. What is it? It's when the CIA guy has the water and he is acting like a server. Oh, shit, yeah. And he serves Massard. I totally forgot The tainted about water. <laughs> yeah, even Massard is in a fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. The, the quest is finished. They gave the gold to the rebel freedom fighters. Dirk and Ava are doing whatever nasty shit on a beach. Al Giardino is probably fixing something. Tied up in a nice little bow. And Eve Massard is in a fancy-ass restaurant. You know his billionaire Making ass, deals. You know. Because he's um, a billionaire and they don't ever lose their shirt. They just right. find another venture. And a waiter delivers him a bottle of water. Hell he th- yes. He says thank you and he drinks it. Cut. Like, pan out to it's Delroy Lindo, the CIA operative, and you're just assuming that water is from the Niger River that's mm-hmm. infected. That's with what's the toxin. implied. And it's kind of really great. Like, somebody actually gets their comeuppance. Right. Though, to be fair, Eve Massard did show contrition and he did want to try to make it better, but he did try to kidnap a lady and right. have his henchmen kill someone. There was criminal activity yeah. that could. Be argued that was happening. Ooh, you know? <laughs> Overall, this movie was great. I love it. I don't know if I would call it great. This, I, It's great because it's nostalgic to me. I very much enjoy this movie. It takes me back to a time where all you and I did pretty much was watch movies. Yeah. I'll give you that one. This is very much a nostalgic movie. When eliminating the nostalgia and looking at it from an objective point of view, this is not the best adventure no, film I've ever it seen. It really isn't. Um, it's definitely up there. If we're talking about adventure, like capital A adventure films, we're looking at The Mummy, Raiders, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. So I, think I watched The Mummy last, the other night, and I was like, wow, this movie is good. The Mummy's a fucking classic, dude. We got to talk about The Mummy. Yeah, we do. So, with a rating system of five, hi, how are yes? What would you give it? Okay, you're probably going to be surprised by my answer. Mm. But I'm going to give this three, hi, how are yes? Three. Okay. I I would venture to say, I think mine is going to be a solid 3.25, oh. hi, how are yes, out of five. Yeah, if I wasn't already... Emotionally attached to these characters. If I wasn't already into this genre Mm -hmm. and this didn't represent a point of time in my life that is nostalgic to me, I would be like, I mean, it's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would definitely do a triple feature of this, The Mummy, and Raiders, probably. I love a good adventure movie. It's fun. It tells the story well. There's a lot going on that I think I would be like, if I didn't already know the story, I would be like, wait, what's happening? There's a lot to think about here. Really? I think so. That was our escape for That was our escape for today. Well, thank you very much for escaping with us. Uh, You can also follow us on all the socials at Escapist Room Movie Pod on Instagram, Twitter. I don't think we have a TikTok yet. No, not yet. We're working on it. I am at Z Reynolds Writes on Instagram. And be sure to rate and review our podcast. Let other people know that we exist. Okay. Okay, see you next week. Bye. Bye.